This is Eye on Health. Delving into your overall well-being. With MedLab Middle East. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Great to have you with us. I'm Helen Farmer. You are listening to Eye on Health here on Dubai Eye 103.8. Brought to you by MedLab Middle East and Arab Health. Today... We are talking about COVID. Is it here to stay with regular vaccines, mandatory and, well, what about that new variant? What do we need to know? We're finding out from the experts and first in the hot seat is Dr. Sharma, a specialist in internal medicine at the Saudi German Hospital here in Dubai, which was really integral when it came to identifying and treatment of COVID at the height of the pandemic. Dr. Sharma, thank you for making time for us today. I really, really appreciate it. How are you? And Happy New Year. Thank you. And same for you and your family. Thank you. It's, um, it's strange, isn't it? Because I think we thought that we just stopped talking about COVID by 2023, but it's still not even rumbles on. It's roaring on in some in some countries and some areas. Um, China, we're seeing a million cases a day. We're seeing rising cases of a new variant in the US in particular. And I just wondered if you were able to give us a bit of a read on, aside from the headlines in the media, what's happening here in Dubai? See, Dubai government followed, uh, or UAE government as a whole, the standard guidelines which have been periodically released from the WHO. So here the almost 100% people are fully vaccinated by a proper FDA approved vaccine Mm -hmm. and almost 95 to 98% have received a booster dose as well. So it's a fairly protected population in UAE, which may not be the prototype Globally, It definitely isn't. It definitely isn't. I think a lot of countries will perhaps look back and think, what if should we have done? And yeah. I think the UAE has got a lot to be proud of um, yeah. in terms of the agility and how, yes. how fast we I were able to move. I must compliment the leadership for taking a pioneering role in this direction and in a very timely fashion. Absolutely. So as you say, we've got a very well protected Yes. Um, society. We've got also, I would say, quite a compliant society yeah. here in here in the UAE. Um, and I know a couple of people with COVID now, a couple. Whereas, yeah. you know, you remember what it was like 18, 18 months, two years ago, it would be whole schools and neighbourhoods. But as I said, in, in other parts of the world, that you know, tragically is the case again. Um, so what, why do you think that might be in yes. other parts of the world? Let, let's look at China in particular. Yes. I will tell you, see, when global this is a pandemic it is affecting the whole globe so that means all the preventive measures should be uniformly followed globally unfortunately certain countries uh, especially the ones that you were mentioning they followed their own guidelines very small number of people were vaccinated in china and that too by a locally made vaccine whose authenticity and efficacy is very much in doubt mm-hmm. and they put the absolute clamp down so it was like a double whammy the society was not exposed to the covid virus so they could not get the herd immunity and number two they could not get the proper vaccination by uh, adequately tried and tested authenticated efficacious vaccine mm-hmm. so with the result what is happening and now suddenly they have opened up Now, once you open up, so it is virtually a deluge, like the patients are every day, uh, it is difficult to get the exact figure. Uh, So we cannot, uh, because the 
global authorities like WHO and all are not uh, not satisfied with the kind of information they are getting. Mm-hmm. But uh, considering the coverage in the newspapers and the it's high, it's very very high. I and I was told by a couple of my students uh, who are studying in China. Uh, now i mean uh, the medical students mm-hmm. so there the hospitals are all full so. there are no beds so if that is any indication that means uh, it's like a it's like a <laughs> it's like a volcano mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting point about it being a double whammy because in some ways life has returned to normal. And we've seen this in other parts of the world as well, but our immunity hasn't returned to normal. We've mm-hmm. been, as we should have done, you know, been wearing masks and washing hands and practicing social distancing. But as soon as that kind of the go ahead is, is given, you've got people again, you know, commuting close together, working close together, socializing as people have so desired. Mm-hmm. But our immune system have, have definitely been... Yeah, it's taken a bit of a hit over the last couple of years, which is why I think we've seen a lot of flu cases this year. Mm. I remember back in 2020, speaking to a doctor who said, we've had four flu cases coming into the clinic. There's just been none. Uh, And now, certainly in the UK, an enormous spike of influenza. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that new variant, because I know you very much keep your finger on the pulse. And um, is it XBB? That's what I'm hearing. uh, Yes, I'll come to it. See, just to clarify the audience that is coming to you, Say the first strain which came was labeled as a Wuhan strain from where it originated. But all the viruses, when they divide, they replicate and some variants are formed. Now, all variants may not be dangerous. So, WHO has given a word VOC, the variants of concern. So, the first variant of concern based on the Greek alphabet was labeled as alpha which was there somewhere in UK to begin with, and then it is spread. After that, the next variant came was Beta, which was in South African side. Then came Gamma, which was not very prevalent. And then came Alpha, Mm -hmm. which was starting in India and then spread globally. And the latest is Omicron. So now Omicron is the last variant, which uh, latest variant, which is all over. Now in each variant, then there are some sub-variant. So like it started with BA4, BA5, they are all Omicron sub-variant. So now latest Omicron sub-variant is XBB. And uh, that is going to be the most prevalent form as predicted by the American literature. So this is, but this we don't this know is, much about what is happening so in China because yeah. they have not provided, uh, in fact, before coming for a talk here, I just uh, googled and found out the WHO site. So they are still asking more data before they actually know which variant is being more common in China. So, and in, and in the US as well, you know, and what do we know about, I guess, symptoms between those different um, VOCs? Yes. You know, how, how do they differ in terms of, I guess, the patient experience? Yes. Say the picture of three, four, what we call as a respiratory viruses, uh, the common ones like respiratory syncytial virus, influenza virus and COVID. If we take all the three together, lump up them, Mm -hmm. they all manifest primarily vast majority of them as upper respiratory infection, like sneezing, nose block, nasal discharge, cough, throat pain. Now, Initial Wuhan and Alpha variant, which I have discussed earlier, 
they had a unique uh, thing that vast majority of the patient had a loss of smell and loss of taste which made them different clinically when you are sitting in a clinic that if somebody is complaining of these symptoms we will think more in terms of covid but somehow that distinction is uh, now gradually in the later variants not that clear and so I, the and picture has been very confusing for a lot of people who've yes. been like I'm, i've been feeling run down i've been having covid symptoms but i can still taste i can still smell so yeah. it's probably not covid but that really was covid from yeah. a so, time ago uh, so right now in our own experience uh, in dubai it is uh, it's a very mixed picture so like it is at best my word against your word so mm-hmm. best thing is if you happen to come a cra- uh, case of uh, upper respiratory infection take the swabs and uh, immediately within 6 hours now point of care testings are available and pcr so we are able to know which particular thing we are dealing with is pcr still the gold standard of testing yes absolutely pcr is the gold standard for not only for the purpose of diagnosis also for epidemiological purpose as well as for getting the medication mm-hmm. as far as deciding the vaccine policy however there are point of care test available like a swab test you can do it at home but subsequently it has to be confirmed yes. because as per the case definition of who you have to be a pcr positive before you are labeled as a confirmed covid i'll take one uh, minute more just to explain there are three categories how we say one is a confirmed covid another is a covid suspect and third is a probable covid mm-hmm. so suspect covid is the one who has been exposed to the person who is suffering from covid for more than 15 minutes of contact and the probable covid is that the symptoms are suggestive but the pcr is negative yes so that is how we categorize but for epidemiological purpose for numbering it is the pcr which is mandatory so i wanted to ask you a little bit about vaccines then because i i almost need to check my alhassan app because i can't remember my, when my last vaccine was how do you feel like that's going to evolve over the coming years in terms of responding to new variants of covid-19 yes. so as you all know like flu vaccine every year a new lot comes in the month of end of august or beginning of september based on the Uh, experience of the scientist about the mutations which are happening and then they come out with a new lot mm-hmm. this is my view that in the long run we have to live with covid covid is not going but we have to live with it just like we are living with a flu virus so the vaccine will also need to be modified as the virus evolves now already in us the most uh, Uh, sort of a commonly the Pfizer vaccine, the uh, the mRNA based technology vaccine, is already the bivalent form has been already launched, and as for the U.S. guidelines, everybody after six months of the booster dose of the monovalent vaccine should take the bivalent vaccine. However, uh, in the U.A.E., the guidelines are still that you should have two. mrna vaccine doses and then boost one booster dose and till date i think it's working but this field is very rapidly changing mm-hmm. so the moment we come to know something new as far as local uh, guidelines are concerned uh, we'll make you aware but as of now the bivalent vaccine is available in us and which is being given So I, I kind of want to ask a personal question then what would you advise your family when it comes to vaccines moving forward would you uh, uh, you've obviously got to follow yeah. the country guidelines but yeah. what would be your gold standard of protection uh, say my gold standard will be that if you find that uh, there is a sudden spurt of uh, more covid cases 
then messenger RNA based bivalent vaccine uh, will become uh, order of the day mm -hmm. if not now maybe in times to come and if not for everybody at least for those people who are more prone yeah they're at so, risk categories uh, uh, so which we call them as a high risk individuals so they include like uh, elderly people very young people people with immunocompromised state like they are on some cancer chemotherapy mm -hmm. or they are on radiotherapy or they are on some immunomodulators for uh, joint diseases and other things or they are on dialysis heart failure patients patients of asthma and bronchitis so there is a defined criteria so at least these people can be offered a, a bivalent vaccine if not for everybody I think it's been also quite interesting to see how long COVID has evolved over the last couple of years. And for a, for a long time, the, the analogy was being used like, well, you know, we're trying to fix, we're trying to fly the plane while fixing the plane at the same time. Mm. And long COVID, I, mean, I just saw a friend at Christmas who is still nearly three years on really struggling, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, same, same age as me, you know, mum of young kids, pretty fit before and now struggles with, um, respiratory problems, climbing up the stairs, low energy, that very kind of post-viral fatigue type, type symptoms. She's taken herself to a clinic in Cyprus, I believe, where they were spitting blood for, you know, microclots and injecting it back in and she's felt no effect. And I wondered if you had any kind of predictions or hopes when it comes to the treatment of long COVID yes. in this year or the coming years. Yes. In fact, uh, what you're talking is a very relevant point and uh, a common man is not uh, very much aware of this that post-COVID syndrome is a, is a known entity. But now anybody who is having any symptom does not fit into a post-COVID syndrome. Mm -hmm. So what happens in a small subset of people, say you must understand what happens. When you get an infection, our own body also reacts against that. Our own immunity reacts just to eliminate the virus by uh, many mechanisms. So what happens in some perspective a small subset of people, this immune response, the natural protective response is little hyper, little more as compared to a general population. So the most of the COVID syndrome patients, what you are talking about, are the ones which have uh, exaggerated immune response. And as a result of that, uh, certain long-lasting tissue inflammations, especially in the lung, mm -hmm. some blood clotting disorders have developed. And on top of this, of course, uh, some neuropsychiatric symptoms. Partly it could be medical and partly it could be circumstantial Absolutely. and social as well. We saw a lot of hair loss, for yes, example, because, after uh, COVID. Uh, some people have a hair stress. loss and there is a lot of panic. Mm -hmm. People are afraid. Menstrual cycle uh, yes. disruption. Yes, exactly. So all these things together, what we call them, are leading to a part of it have a psychosomatic component as well. But it is a definite entity. And if any patient comes to us with a post-COVID syndrome in our hospital, there is a fixed protocol that he has to undergo these, these, these tests. I want to know what that is. What do you tend to advise for anyone listening today who still might be feeling a little off post-COVID? What's, what's on your protocol at Saudi German? Uh, say the protocol includes that, first of all, we do some blood test to see the degree of inflammation mm -hmm. by doing like your blood counts, like your C-reactive protein. 
for checking the clotting factors and all we advise a test which is known as a d dimer because if the d dimer is increased that means the immune response is leading to more clotting tendencies and especially in young females who are on some hormonal pills contraceptive pills they are more prone or some people who have got some other blood disorders so these are the tests especially the asthmatics so they can have so we are advising chest x-ray we are advising pulmonary function test because ultras uh, our stethoscope may not reveal anything but when we do the like for the cardiology my stethoscope may not reveal but when we do the electrocardiogram and other test we find the disease in the same way for lungs stethoscope and x-ray may not be sufficient enough so we do the pulmonary function test the dlco so that if there is any chronic problem going to come up we can pick it up in time and fix it thank you so much for your time today um perfect timing really i think given unfortunately the level of panic that's happening around the world um when it comes to travel restrictions we're seeing people various countries demanding now negative tests what where do you see that going as my last question to you i guess your predictions for 2023 and covid-19 see my own guess is that by and large globally the world has fallen in line with the latest recommendations barring a uh, uh, little bit of a uh, southeast or east asia china and the, these countries and it is a almost 1/5 of the population mm-hmm. lives there so that is a little area of concern other than that i think in a well protected society and uh, with the the precautions that are already in place uh, i think uh, we, there should not be any panic or anything Thank but you. we have to be little careful that's the only thing and i think that's exactly it i think that's what uh, i've taken from this now if i'm not feeling well you know wear a mask wash hands yes, be sensible uh, be absolutely, be absolutely. considerate yes we have to be little careful and especially the elderly people and the people who are like the high risk people which we discussed mm-hmm. other than that if you are not going to the uh, to the, the area spots. where right mm-hmm. now the chi- uh, the the disease is more prevalent and somehow we are able to contain that maybe next few months then i think we will have a very bright future ahead that's a perfect note to end our chat with dr shama thank you so much really really appreciate your time speaking to us from the saudi german hospital specialist internal medicine wishing you and all the team there at the hospital and the family too very happy and most importantly healthy 2023 thank you very much and giving us the time to share my views on this subject thank you very much up next we're going to be discussing the difference between covid and flu especially as so many of those symptoms are similar and how can we protect ourselves from both dr hasham ali an icu specialist at nmc provita in abu dhabi will be on hand to advise Eye on Health with MedLab Middle East on Dubai Eye 103.8.